Let's just. How about that? Let's just. Because you know what? We have to make decisions every day. Whether we like it or not, I have people I hear people say, Well, I don't like making decisions. You just made one. So understand the decisions that you make right now, you're going to have to live with after a little bit later on today, maybe tomorrow, next week. And uh, I got to do something before I go into the lesson here. I want you to go with me, back with me, if you will, to Jeremiah chapter 4. I shared this with Brother Rusty Wednesday night, and, and the, the Holy Spirit, I believe, has just been ministering to me about this, you know. And uh, I want to encourage all of us to make special preparation when we are preparing to come to church, you know, how many likes to talk to someone and they're not paying any attention to you? They're looking at everything else that's going on around about you. And, you know, and, and if there ever is a time that God is speaking to us, it's today. And we need to be able to hear His voice. But there's many voices. There's many voices. And I've always stood amazed how that God could listen to so many voices at one time and answer all of their prayers. There's, let's say there's 3 billion people in the world that is uh, out of 8 billion people that is born again Christians really truly have a relationship with God and they're praying and believing God for something and God's listening to everything that they say. I believe that God is probably the only one that can do that other than a mother. A mother can listen to three or four children at one time and understand everything that they're saying and then tell them all no. You know, but he's here in Jeremiah chapter four. We shared this the other night, at, uh, but the Spirit of God, as I was praying Wednesday night in the office, spoke this to me. And he said, Encourage the people when they come to church, break up that fallow ground. The Word of God is called a seed, is it not? Yes. The seed of the Word. Well, I remember years ago. In the farming community, they started coming out with a no-cultivate seeding, where you didn't cultivate the land, you just went out and seeded the land and everything. I don't know how that went over. I know what my dad would have said, that would not work. It would not work. He believed that you had to go out and plow the ground up, till it, get it broke up for, for the seed. But he says in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3, he says, For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground. That's the uncultivated ground. And so every time we come into church, every time we begin to come to church, I want to encourage us, let's begin to prepare ourselves for the worship, the magnifying of the Lord, because uh, I want us to go back to a Sunday evening service with praise and worship. And uh, I know Wednesday nights is, is, is we're coming in from work and, and we've done things all day long. And I'm thankful that you've come in for service to be here for the Word of God. And I believe it's all right with God for us to not have that at this time. And summer is here, you know, and everything. But you ought to be worshiping God on your own. Not dependent on everybody else to do it for you. Put a, put a CD in, put a something in that's got the Word of God on it, the, the, the songs of God's worship on it, and go in there. So as we break up the fallow ground, 
and, and, and do not sow among thorns because we have been from Sunday to Wednesday, we have been amongst thorns. Don't tell me you've stayed in the presence of God all along and you haven't had to deal with it. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're at home by yourself, thorns are still trying to come in. Thorns are trying to come in. Thorns can even choke out other thorns. There's stronger thorns than, than you know, you, you see blackberry bushes coming up, and, but then you see other, other things come in and they begin to choke the blackberry bushes out and you don't get the cultivation or the, the, uh, the uh, product that you did over the years. And he says, circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart. And that, that talks about the circumcision of the heart because from Sunday to Wednesday, you've got to deal with things that is of the world. You can't shut yourself off from the world. S somehow the world is going to come into where you're at. It doesn't make any difference where you live. It doesn't make any difference how much you pray. The world is right there knocking on the door of your heart. And somebody will say something, and it happens. It brings it right in there. Now, go with me, if you will, to the book of Hosea, chapter 10. We're talking about sowing, breaking up the fallow ground, and, and that uncultivated, prepare your heart. I remember whenever uh, we lived in Ulagod, we started going to church at, uh, after we had left at the direction of the Holy Spirit, the church that we was going to, uh, because there was, there, we left there on great relationships and everything, and wonderful pastor and all, but we just had to obey the Spirit of the Lord. But we would go to Collinsville, which was about a, 10 miles away. And it came to the point to where we had to, we tell the kids, you know, you can't take anything to church. You have to leave everything at home. Well, son had his own mind. And so it got to the point to where I'd go out and check the car out, make sure there was nothing under the seat or in the seats or under the cushions or covered up that he could take into the church and play with. And it got to the point to where I thought, this boy's smarter than me. So We'd go out, get ready to go out to get in the car, and I said, stand with your hands on the wall and your legs spread apart. And I would frisk him, and I'd say, you can't take this, you can't take this. And so what we did was that. And when we'd get into the car, then we'd begin to just meditate, we'd begin to pray and everything like that, and begin to prepare ourselves for the service that is there. I've got a one mile drive from my house to the church, but when I get into my car, I start preparing myself for the church whenever I get here for the service and everything. But he says in verse 12 there, sow for yourselves righteousness. Now what is the opposite of righteousness? Unrighteousness, that unstanding with God. Righteousness is right standing with God. Reap in mercy. If there ever is a day that we're living in, people, we in the body of Christ need to be believing God to reap mercy with what's going on in the world. Then he says, break up your fallow ground. There again, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. You get that? On the way to the church, at least it is time to seek the Lord. So that when we come in here and we enter into praise and worship, 
That's all that is on our mind. Not, well, what time are we going to get out? Well, I wonder what we're going to be having for lunch. We're going to go over here and have lunch over here with this family member. We're going to go over and have Hey, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness on you. And so what happens? We can pull ourselves out underneath that rain if we want to, but I don't think we want to. So let's just raise our hands and say, Father God, have your way in me in this service today so that you will be pleased with me. Now we're going to talk about this morning staying single-minded. And I'm going to say something here. In the last week, two weeks, month, five months, ten months, last year, we have had every opportunity to be double-minded, triple-minded, quadruple-minded, doesn't make any difference. It's been a very hard thing to stay focused on a single mind with God because there's other things that want to get in there. And I want to remind us of John 10, 10, the letter part of it. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And I think it's time that we start believing God, loosen our faith for that more abundant life instead of just life. I don't mind telling you, I have faced death five times that I know of in my life. One time, the first time, was on Main Street of Noel. On Main Street of Noel. I wrecked a truck down there with three of us in the cab and seven in the back. Just as you come at the end of Main Street and it's turned to go up over the hill, or you turn to go out on, what's that, King's Highway? or You know, and that, that, that night it wasn't the King's Highway. But something happened there that I lost, I had the lights, the lights worked on on our pickup and, and the lights went out and I wasn't really paying attention and I went up over that bank where the street goes like this and goes to the left like this and goes up over, went up over the bank and flew through the air and landed on the other side of that highway and I'm convinced that the door was completely shut, but this part of my arm was on the outside of the door. That could have been my head in that door, but it was not. I had a praying grandma, and so they, they told me, said, you know, I hope you understand that you should have been dead. It had Monroe H. Martin and Sons on the side, and somebody in their humor went over and taped over the S on the Sons, and it was just one son. And I told him, I said, I don't think I like your humor. I'm still alive. I've had it happen three times in the military, and I don't know how close to death I came this last time, but I know one thing. Death would have liked to have taken me. But you know what? I just made up my mind. I'm going to live life and that life more abundantly and I'm going to stick around till the rapture takes place because my body is so full of the healing power of God there's no room for anything else in it. And it's not just my purpose, it's your purpose also. But start believing God for that before you get something coming against your body. Start believing it now at a young age. You young people back there, start taking care of your body. Start believing God. Start speaking God's word over your body because I'm going to tell you something. You'll come to a point that you'll know you're not invincible. You'll know that. So we're going to look at a staying single-minded this morning. James chapter 1. And we're going to begin at verse 1 because we've got to bring it all in context here. He says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, My brethren, 
Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. And the first time I ever read that, I said, that's the dumbest thing I believe I've ever read. Why in the world would I count it joy that I fell into temptation? That temptation, that phrase you fall into is to fall into something that is all around. So look around. Temptation is all around us today. You're driving down the highway. Temptation is there. You go to turn off, temptation is there. You go to the store, temptation is there. You pull in to fill up your car, temptation is there. Oh my God, do you see the price of that gas? That's a temptation. You know what I tell them? I said, I thank my God that I have the finances and more than enough finances to fill up my car and not be concerned about it. And I pray that my car will get better gas mileage than it's ever gotten. And I go on. So that temptations is a pudding. Now listen to this. I think this is a very interesting translation from the Greek. Temptations is a putting to proof of good. I'm proving God's word that I can go through this temptation victoriously. Or experience of evil. It's solicitation. It's discipline or provocation. It's adversity. Temptation is all around us. Everywhere you look, there's temptation. There's temptation. Verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That knowing is to allow, to be aware of. Are we, uh, are we uh, aware of the temptation coming and what its purpose is? Its purpose is to steal, kill, and to destroy. But let me tell you something. If he can steal us from the Word of God, from the worship of God, then he can begin to kill our relationship. Well, you know, I'm just not much into this, this worship. I'm really not. That worship, remember, worship is one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. It's like you're standing before the throne of God here on earth, and there's nothing between you. There's nothing between you. When you enter into worship with God, He's on His throne, you're here where you're at, and there's not one single thing in between you. It's purity. It's purity. You're a purity before God and God's purity coming to you. It's like a kind of like a pipeline flowing back and forth, back and forth. It's a conduit. And he says in verse 4, But let patience, okay, it worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. Father, I'm asking, you, I'm asking you for wisdom, and I believe by faith I receive your wisdom because I have need of making a decision. And when it's time to make that decision, I believe I have faith for your wisdom to be part of me so that I'll know what to do. See, God is the only one through the Godhead, is the only one that sees future. We don't see it. A prophet may come and minister to us about some things, but he can't go that far into eternity on us. Oh, that you'll live to be 98 years of age, and every day that you live, you'll grow stronger in the Lord. That sounds good, but you have to understand something. We have a will. We have a will. Now, between 30 years of age and 98 of age, we're going to be tempted. We're going to face temptation. 
We're going to have to make decisions either to go right with God or wrong with God. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of God. And he said all of that to get to this. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That, that phrase, a double-minded, is a two-spirited man. He's of the spirit of the world. He's of the spirit of God. They're both right there vying in competition for the decision that we're going to make. It's vacillating in opinion or purpose. It's vacillating. It's vacillating. It's bouncing back and forth. This phrase, a double-minded man, is a man of two souls or of a double heart that speaks and asks with the heart and a heart as in Psalms 12, 2. We're going to look at that in a minute. Who halts between two opinions and is at uncertainty what to do or say and is undetermined what to ask for or who is not sincere and upright in his request, who asks for one thing and means another, and asks amiss, and with an ill design. Now, look at James chapter 4, verse 3, because we got to understand, what is it amiss? Okay, James chapter 4, verse 3 says, You ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. That amiss there, from the Greek, is you ask badly. You ask as if diseased. You ask as if evil. You ask grievously. You ask miserably. I like to put it like this. We ask self-centeredly concerning our own will, our own desires. The, uh, the Passion Translation in that it says, and if you ask, you won't receive it for you're asking with corrupt motives. Seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. The single mind is a mind ruled by the word and controlled by the force of patience. Oh, there's that P word. Doggone. Patience. Patience. Well, I asked God on Thursday and, and I believe in God. Patience. Patience. Look at Psalms. We referred to Psalms 12. Verse 1, let's begin at verse 1 there. To the chief musician upon Shemineth, I don't know where that place was. I didn't look it up. That's, you know, I, I assume David knew where it was. A psalm of David. Help, Lord. <laughs> now, don't get your mind set on anything yet. Help, Lord, for the godly man seethest, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. Now stop and think about what's going on in the world today. People that used to be in church aren't in church anymore. People that used to be faithful aren't faithful anymore. Statistics, and I don't know where they get them, and I don't know how much of it I believe, but they say the belief in God in the United States is lower than it's ever been. You know what I say? I don't believe that. Because I believe God is drawing all men to Him. What's the world coming to, God? That's what I prefer to believe. The world is coming to God. The United States is coming to God. But look at verse 2, two there. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips. Oh, here we go. And with a double heart do they speak. 
Now we saw a double mind in James. Now we're seeing a double heart. So we have to look at this. With a double heart do they speak, or with a heart and a heart. So in other words, there's two hearts right there. There's a fleshly heart, there's a heart, there's a heart that's not a flesh. Such are double-minded men who say one thing and mean another. Their words are not to be depended upon. There is no faithfulness in them. You get that? There's not an iota of faithfulness in them. Get that? There is no faithfulness in them. I find this interesting because of, of the stand of China in the world, but it says, The Chinese reckon a man of two hearts, as they call him, a very wicked man, and none more remote from honesty. In other words, what they're saying there is they're so far from honesty that you can't believe a thing that they do or you can't believe a thing that they say. That's, here again, the Passion Translation in, in verses 1 and 2 is for the, now listen to this, for the pure and shining one, a song of smiting, sung for the new day by David, King David. Help, Lord, save us, for godly ones are swiftly disappearing. Where are the dependable, principled ones? They're a vanishing breed. Everyone lies, everyone flatters, and everyone deceives. Nothing but empty talk, smooth talk, and double talk. Where are the truthful? Look at your neighbor, neighbor and say, that's where you are. You're the truthful. You're the one that I can depend upon. You're the one that I can believe because you'll speak God's word to me. Everyone lies, everyone flatters, and everyone deceives. Nothing but empty talk, smooth talk, and double talk. Where are the truthful? Point to yourself and say, I'm the truthful. I'm the truthful. Now go with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Those of you that's online, don't turn me off simply because I'm saying some things that are kind of rough maybe because I'm telling you something. God is getting attention of his people. Luke 21 verse 10. We've been through this, but it's something that we need to go through again. Then said he unto them, talking about Jesus, nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. In other words, the nations of this world are rising up and the kingdoms of this world, there's two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. He's the God of this world system. They're rising up. And great earthquakes shall be in divers places, and famines, and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these things, they shall lay their hands on you. What do we see in society do today? We didn't get our way, so we're going to come against you. We're going to come after you. We're going to burn your buildings. We're going to break your windows and your businesses. Uh, people that didn't have anything to do with this. Burning their cars and stuff. And the Constitution of the great United States of America, to some, don't mean anything in high public places. It doesn't mean a thing. May God help us, and He's the only source that can help us, but before all these things, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you. People, listen to me. Hell has been loosed on this nation. But we have the power to stop it. His name is Jesus. He is the Word of God. Delivering you up to the synagogues. 
What did they do with the apostles? What did they do with, with Jesus? Brought him up into the synagogue. They come against him there, delivering you unto the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. January 6th is still something that they've said. And they've got people that just wanted to go into the Capitol building. And what are they doing? They've been in penitentiary or in jail ever since that time with no charges brought against them. Hell has been loosed against our nation. What are we going to do about it? First off, we've got to start in our own lives. We've got to start in our own families. Then we start in our own communities. Then we start believing God in our county. Then we believe God for our state. The state of Missouri is the only state in the 50 states of the United States that does not have an abortion clinic in it. I thank God for our people in political places. And they say there will not be one. There will not be one. Let me tell you something. I don't care what they call it. Murder is murder. Anything that has life in it that is called a human, and I read an article, if I understood it right, at five days of formation in the womb, a child begins to have fingerprints. What is the most distinguishing point of a human being is a fingerprint is the fingerprint. Don't tell me that that... I heard a, they, they had an individual, I fell in on a deal the other day, that, that one lady, young lady said, I want to have, I want to get pregnant so I can kill a baby. But they said, oh, she made a mistake when she called it a baby. A baby is a life form. A baby is a life form. And I'm a thinking, what is this? What is this? What is this? Being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Well, we don't have kings and rulers here, but we're brought before magistrates. We're brought before people and judges and all. They'll bring us before them, should the Lord tarry. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed. Now this is scary. To this, now this part is scary to me. This disturbs me greatly. And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinfolks and friends. And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not a hair of your head perish. In your patience possess ye your souls. I believe we have prayed. I have believe I have prayed. And I prayed over my community, the city of Anderson, Missouri. It is not welcome here. It's not welcome here. I prayed over McDonald County. It is not welcome in this county. Why? Because I prayed that the angels of God would cover our county. And that God will raise up intercessors that will intercess intercede every day for the city of Anderson, the city of Noel, and for the county of MacDonald. Every day for the power of God and for the 
for the Spirit of God to be loosed continually, that the angels of God will watch over our communities in this county to protect us from man's destructive ability and from nature's destructive ability. I believe that. To possess is to get, to acquire, to own, to obtain, to provide, to purchase. In your patience, possess you your to possess you, your souls. I'm in charge of my soul. I possess my soul. Therefore, patience depends upon me, not on somebody else. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Oh my God, did he have to say that? Anybody want to volunteer for tribulations today? I'm going once. Going twice. Oh, come on. Surely somebody here wants to volunteer for tribulations. Oh, okay. So we don't, we don't glory in tribulation. We don't rejoice in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Oh, oh my God. We're going to have tribulation whether we like it or not. It's there. And patience, experience, and experience hope. How do we get all this through patience? Patience brings experience. We've had an experience, and therefore we've had patience. And now the experience has got us to the place of hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So I thank God for hope. Have you got hope? Just lift your hands and thank God for hope. Never belittle hope. Never belittle hope. I've heard people say, are you going to be there? Well, I hope so. Hope so? Hey, wait a minute. Hope is the first step of faith. Never belittle hope. Never belittle it. It'll get you there. So let's go on here. We're going to talk about a man of two minds. James chapter 1, verse 8. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Look at your neighbor and say, that's not talking about you. Now point to yourself, that's not talking about me. I am a single-minded person. The Amplified reads, For being as he is, a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, ir irresolute, he is unstable and, unreli oh, and unreliable. That's kind of like, well, are you going to go to work today? Well, I, I hope so. I, I, I just don't know. Well, wait a minute. You've got a job. Thank God you got a job. Don't get excited about a job, but you got a job. Thank God we got jobs. Unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything. He feels, thinks, or decides. That unstable is he's inconstant. Inconstant. Draw nigh, verse James 4, 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So it comes back. If you're, if you're fluctuating, then deal with the heart situation. Deal with the heart situation. That double-minded is two-spirit again, vacillating in opinion or purpose. Amplified once again reads in 4.8, Come close to God and He will come close to you. 
recognize that you are sinners, get your soiled hands clean, realize that you have been disloyal, wavering individual with div divided interests, and purify your hearts of your spiritual adultery. Get back over there in that one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. Get back over there to where you praise God. You give God the glory. You thank God for His provision. Father, I don't know how this need is going to met, but I'm trusting you and believing you, and I'm believing you're going to cause it to happen. I, I, I you know, sometimes I remind people in, in the other countries, I said, remember, the God, the God that fed the children of Israel as they was exiting from Egypt is the same God we serve today. And he's well able to, he's well able to furnish manna from heaven. He's well able to cause finances to come into your hand. I've had to tell some, I am not your source. If God speaks to me, I will do what I can. But I am not your source. I will believe God. I will pray. I will believe God. I believe that for what I know of you, that you have placed yourself in a place, in a relationship with God, as the Philippian church had with God, that God will say, I will supply all of your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus, because I know your work, I've seen what you do. But I can't say that for other ministers because I don't know. Have they done everything that they can possibly do? Just like the church at Philippi, they supported Paul, they sent goods to him in prison, they took care of him while he was traveling. And there's very few churches that did that for Paul. There's only two or three of them. Then Paul writes back at the only place in the Bible where he says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What happened? They put themselves in a position that God, through Paul's words, could move in their behalf and supply all, not part, all of their need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So when we think about that, we begin to realize, I need to check my relationship with God. Have I done things that my God can supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Because let me tell you something, God's got riches. Anybody that's got a gold street, solid, transparent gold, Anybody that's got gates around the city of pure pearl has no problem supplying all of our need. If he can send a raven to Elijah to feed him, bless God, he can supply our need. But I wonder how many people would have looked at the raven and said, well, I, 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 I can't eat that. Let me tell you something. One of the things I learned in the military and keep your mind on pure things. You get hungry enough. You'll be surprised at what you might eat. You get thirsty enough. You will be surprised at what you might drink. So don't say never. Because I believe if we're in a place that my God shall supply all my need, He will supply all my need, whether it be something fresh to drink or whether it be something pure to eat. Now think about that. Think about that. Well, I'll never, I'll, oh, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We have to make sure that we keep our relationship with God so that we can say, but my God shall supply all my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's something that we need to examine on a regular basis. 
keep ourselves pure and holy. Luke eleven seventeen, But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against the house falleth. Now let's look what he's saying here. A house divided against itself shall fall. Parents against children and the children against parents. Spouses against each other. Anything divided against itself shall fall. Satan is looking for any open door that they can get, that he can get. Let's look at Matthew 12, 26. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then, how shall then his kingdom stand? Mark 3, 24. If a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. See, I live in the kingdom of my home. I'm the ruler there under God. I thank God every day that the angels of God and the Holy Spirit watch over my property. Nothing is allowed on my property but that which is of God. Nothing is allowed in my home but that which is of God. Nothing is allowed in my bed but that which is of God. I am the ruler in that home under God. If I keep myself under God and I'm doing what God says, then my God, once again, shall supply all my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But look at verse 26. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. What was he trying to get Jesus to do in the wilderness? Worship me and I'll give you all of this. Well, people say, he didn't have the right. Yeah, he was. He is the God of this world system. He had the right to give it to Jesus. But Jesus said, hmm, I'll only worship God. I'll only worship God. He's the God of this world system. I don't know how high it goes, whether it goes in the atmosphere, stratosphere, or ionosphere. I don't know how high his authority goes, but I know one thing. It can't possibly go a, a high, higher than the third level up there because when it gets past that point, and I'm not even sure it goes all the way. I think it may just be the atmosphere of earth, but he is the God of this world system. Adam gave it to him. Adam gave it to him. This is the basic truth of double-mindedness. Without receiving from, from God, failure is inevitable. Look at your neighbor and say, that's the truth. The double mind tries to live on faith and fear at the same time. 1 John 4, 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. So we have to stop and examine ourselves from sign to sign, time to time. Am I operating, it? am I walking in faith, or am I walking in love, or am I walking in fear? Listen to your conversation. Well, I'm just so afraid that this, hey, don't say that over your children and grandchildren. Don't say that over your family, I'm afraid. No, no, don't lose that. I have prayed to the Lord of the harvest, and the Lord of the harvest has loose labors to go minister to my family, to minister to my children, my grandchildren. I thank God every day. Father, I just thank you that my unsaved family is being, is being ministered to 
by the labors that have been set forth by the Lord of the harvest, they will come into a saving knowledge of God and they will serve God and they'll be ready when the catching away of the saints come. That's the bottom line of it. That's the bottom line of it. Fear and love cannot cohabitate, cannot dwell together. Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. But what happens? That fear that comes in will stop your love, it will stop your faith, it will stop your relationship with God. So what happens? It's impossible without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I don't know about you, but I like the rewards of God. You like it? I like the rewards of God. Okay. The very thing that you've been believing God for, God says, don't give up. I am working. I am working. You will see it come to pass. <laughs> and there will be a day that you will stand and laugh. Just like God does because he has his enemies in derision. He has them all tied up. You'll see it come to pass, granddaughter. You'll see it come to pass. Hallelujah. The double mind, I'll serve God as I can. But I do have to make a living or I do have to be concerned about my friends or I have to consider how people see me. Why? Why don't we consider how God thinks about us? How come we don't consider what God thinks about us? See, we have to ask ourselves, which is most important? Whether it be what I think whether it be what my friends think. I shared with you how it came to a place that I had to make a decision. Either I was going to play ball with my buddies. buddies. We had a great team. We was a winning team. And the Holy Spirit said, I don't want you to play ball. Now, on a Sunday night, we was playing the, the second top team in our league. We was playing the second top team in our league. And they was coming and they was after us. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go to church with your family tonight. And I called him and told him, I said, I can't be there. What? We need you there. You're supposed to pitch tonight if we need you. Sorry. It got to the point to where I had to make a decision. Either I played ball with my friends and the team, or I went to church with my family. I was playing five, six ball games a week. Barb hated them. She hated those things. She said, do I have to go? And I said, I appreciate it. If you come once in a while, I'll take you out for dinner later. <laughs> you know what she told me? That's called bribery. <laughs> I thought, oh, here we go. Now she's got a law degree. <laughs> the word rule mine says, I'll do whatever God says, and he will supply all my need, whether it be finances, friends, or how people look at me. I really don't care how people look at me. But yes, I do. But yes, I do. I would rather them look at me and say, you know, he's an all right guy. I'd rather them say, he's, a, he's an honest person. That's what I, I, I care about what people say about me. I care about how people look at me. I care about it. Look at Luke 10, 38. That's just something for you to think about. I don't, we won't receive any offering on that part of it, okay? 
Luke 10, 38. Now it came to pass as they went, and he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Now pay attention here. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. This is the same Mary that came in with the spike nerd and the ointment and washed Jesus' feet and dried his feet with her hair. Same Mary. Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn the word, the word rule mind never prepares to fall, fail. Never prepares to fail. Is that speaking about us today? I hope it is. Look at your neighbor and say, there's no failure in you. Now point to yourself, there's no failure in me. Now talk to this. I am success. Come on. I am success. Ready to manifest. And I will not be stopped. God has promised to prosper what I set my hand to do. And what I set my hand to do will prosper. Because I have God's Word on it. Because I am obedient to God's Word. Amen. The Word ruled mind prepares for success to overcome, be victorious, to walk in favor, to have God's wisdom, to be an overcomer, to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, to walk in faith and not in fear. The Word-ruled mind speaks the Word of God in any given situation or circumstance. So now we have to ask this question. How is our, my, your mind today? How is it today? How is it today with us? Only we can answer that. I can't answer it for you. You cannot answer it for me. You're the only one that can honestly answer that before the throne of God. And let me tell you, that's where we answer it. And then there will be another answering at the white throne judgment. But why not take care of it today? Father, if I'm out of your will, forgive me, minister to me, and bring me into your will. Help me. Help me. There's, it's never wrong. Listen to me. It's never wrong to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Never wrong. Never be hesitant about asking the Holy Spirit to help you. Never be hesitant about it. Holy Spirit, I need help. I need help. Understand, He's waiting there to help you. He's waiting there to help us. He's waiting there to show Himself strong in our behalf. He's waiting there to help the Word manifest itself in our behalf. God knows what we have need of. 
He's asking, waiting for us to ask him for it. God gave us a will. I want the fullness of God's provision in my life. I want the fullness of God's provision in your life, in your family. I want to hear you come in and say, another member of my family got saved today. I want to hear you come in and say, I am so blessed because of this or that. I want to hear you say that my deathly sick family member has received Jesus and the healing power of God. I want to hear us saying that. I want to hear us repeating what God's Word says about us. I want to hear us saying that. God wants to hear us saying that. Maybe we've been holding back too long on saying some things to God. When God says, I already know what your heart's desire is, Why are you, when are you going to tell me? When are you going to ask me? Hebrews 4.12, that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, He pierces our hearts. He knows. He's the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. He, is the, he divides the soul and the spirit, the bone and the marrow. He knows what we have need of, but he won't give it to us until we ask. So quit hesitating and start asking. Quit hesitating and start asking. I know I'm being really firm, but people, we've got to be if we're going to come into the place that God has for us. This church is moving on. I'm moving on. We're moving on. Are you going with me? If you are, stand to your feet. I just, I can't sit there any longer. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If we only could see what God has for us, if we only could get a glimpse of what God has for us, those of you that's watching on Facebook Live, if you could only get a glimpse of what God has for you, you would quit hesitating. You'd quit putting things off. You'd step into the fullness of what God has for you and say, I want it all. Yeah. We put off too much.